Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Okay, so now remember what's going on here, okay? The Apostle Paul... Uh, in the last three chapters of this book, begins to defend, listen to me, his apostolic office and the message against what he calls the super apostles. Okay? And what they were doing, guys, is they were challenging his authority. They were challenging who he was. Now, there were people who, again, they weren't sure about Paul, okay? But then you had a group who began to question who Paul really was and his authority. Now, here's what you need to understand. The Apostle Paul was probably not what you thought, okay? You probably thought he was this big old macho, and, and he wasn't. He was probably short bald, crooked nose, and he probably walked with a limp, okay? And so when they began to, again, question this, it's not a big deal to Paul, guys, if you were to question um, just who he is. Yeah. We don't like your nose. We don't like your bald. You, you should, your apostles shouldn't be bald. They should be. You know what I mean? Whatever it might be. Yeah. And, and so what happens, guys, is he's humble enough not to argue about what you think of him personally. Wow. Right? He's humble enough to go, look, if... if This is who I am. The problem is, guys, is that if you questioned his calling as an apostle, listen to me, then you question the message of Christ, and that Paul will defend. That he's going to say, okay, okay. Now, remember what Paul told us, guys. This is so key. This is key in our lives because he writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. That's the gospel. It's the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. That's a good place for an amen. Come on. Let me, let me say it again. Saving everyone who believes. Amen. The Jew first and also the Greek. Right? This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. faith. As the scripture says, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. Amen? Amen? So that's what Paul says. He's, guys, I'm not ashamed. I'm going to defend the gospel. This is how you get saved. This is how you spend eternity with Jesus. Okay, this is what he said. He said, listen, you can you can tell me how I look and how I walk and I'm crooked and I'm just... He says, but when it comes to the gospel, that i got to defend. It's the power of God. And so when we come to the last four chapters, guys, chapter 10, all the way to 13, we're coming through. We're kind of hitting the end there. Um, the one thing that we can note, guys, if, you're, if you understand, is that the tone of the letter has changed. The tone. Because of this drastic change, some commentators actually asserted that the last four chapters of 2 Corinthians were actually, in reality, the severe letter he actually spoke of. They go, really? Here's the problem, guys. We don't know. We just kind of go, wow, we just know that the tone has changed. You guys understand tone, right? You understand tone. That's why texting is so hard, because you don't understand the tone that's being said. Okay? You ask somebody, hey, are you, are you, how you doing? And they say, okay. Is it okay? Or is it okay? And you just don't understand tone, and so it's so important. That's why we should pick up the phone every now and then, right? Reach out and touch someone. That's the old slogan of AT&T. But, but the thing about it is talk to them. Hey, how you doing? 
How you doing? And again, tonality. And so we know he was like, guys, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I'm going to talk about giving, how the churches in Macedonia gave. And he goes, but now we got to talk. Now we got to talk here. And so again, we covered all of chapter 10 last week. And so if you're new here, you can get it on podcast so you can catch up. Um, but Paul is defending his character to the people at Corinth. Okay, now, guys, put your thinking caps on, because this is a, this is a, a church that Paul planted. He came in, he labored, he told, you I mean, night and day he worked, telling them about Jesus, discipling them. And this is his church. And there were still many, even now, that were questioning, can you hear it, the qualifications of, of him being an apostle. Well, you know, hey, Nick, I don't know if Paul should really be an apostle. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, I know he planted the church or I heard. And, and so you have all of this back and forth, guys. And so Paul's like, really, guys, I thought I handled it with 1 Corinthians. I thought I told you that Jesus needs to be the center. Church, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. We don't lift up any men. Come on. Ever. Amen. We don't lift up any pastor. We don't go, well, Pastor Ben is just holy, and I want him to pay, pray for me. He's just holy. You don't know me very well. But it's Jesus. It's Jesus working in and through us, guys. And so Paul is trying to communicate that the cross is the center. And so we have to get to the place where is the cross. Is Jesus the center of your life? That song we sang... You know, I'm caught up in your presence. Guys, are we caught up in his presence? I mean, just really. Or, or is, is our prayer life, uh, Lord Jesus, give me this, give me that. Hey, help me here, do this, do this. Or is it, Lord, I just want you. Yes. I just want you. Amen. And so Jesus has to be the center. Well, what does Paul do? Paul says, guys, i got to talk about this. i got to defend my apostolic authority. Not for my sake. And so... For the sake of the gospel. And then what he does, he says, he re- reiterates his purpose. You go, well, Ben, can I have a question? I have a question. What did we learn last week? What did we learn? You need to tell Nick because Nick wasn't here. So we need to turn. This is what we learned last week, Nick. You ready? There were some people in Corinth, again, who denied who Paul was. Why? Because here's what happened, guys. They pointed, okay, they pointed and, and they denied who he was. They pointed to his elaborate writings, okay, and his ability to, his ability to express himself in written form. That was powerful. Man, did you hear to get that letter from Paul? Right? But then they saw him. Here's the problem. They said, well, his outward appearance was very meek and mild. And what happened is that was a true contradiction in their eyes. Okay? Now, y'all are looking at me like you don't understand. Let me see if I can paint a picture. Y'all, y'all remember the movie Nacho Libre? <laughs> they expected Paul to be like Ramses, okay? the big wrestler. And then they saw him, and he looked like Nacho. <laughs> and he's like, no, this guy doesn't look like, I mean, come on. This is what it was, right? Yeah. Now, I got that movie stuck in your head, okay? This is it. This is it, right? They expected him to be like Ramses, the great fighter, strong. And it's like, that's Paul? Looks like Nacho. Are you serious? And so that's really what's going on. But see, Paul says, hey, wait a minute. I, I warned you about judging from appearance. And he said, because here's the bottom line. He says, I work really unto the glory of God. Not for your approval. 
Have you ever heard that term, hey man, God wants you happy? God wants you happy. You know what God wants you? God wants you to work unto his glory. Okay, and, and, and that's what Paul's doing. Paul's going, listen, I'm going to work unto the glory of God. Now, very quickly, here's what we learned. You ready? Number one, we follow Christ's example. This is what we do. We, we set our heart and our mind and our lives on Christ's example. That's what Paul taught us. The second thing, he goes, man, you're in a war. You're in a spiritual war. He says, don't use carnal, fleshly weapons in a spiritual war. He says, use spiritual weapons, guys. Praying and fasting and reading and seeking. And I mean, this is just what he's, this is what he's saying. He says, don't use that. Paul tells us in verse four, he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself in the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. That's what Paul says. We have to fight like this. We have to fight like this. The third thing we learned last week, guys, is don't judge anyone by appearance. Don't judge anyone before it's time, right? Because again, you don't know what God is doing. Let him do the commending. Let him do, right? Live for his approval. Amen. And he says, and then I'll show you the true marks of an apostle. How? He starts with conduct, right? Now, this is what we're going to learn today. He's going to say, this is my behavior. I, w- I want you to say. Now, next week, we're going to see his sufferings. He's going to say, hey, you, you super apostle, you think you're all, let me show you. How, how have you suffered? How have you suffered? Let's, let's compare notes. That's what he's talking about here, guys. And so, and so again, he's going, okay, so that's what we're going to look at next week. And that's what a true follower of Jesus looks like. So that's what we're going to look at today. Let's look at his conduct. You ready? Picking it up in verse one. And it says this. Oh, Paul says that you might bear with me in a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. Do you guys see that? Okay. Here's what he's saying. I hope you'll put up with me in a little bit of my foolishness. Please bear with me. Now, here's what you can see. You can feel, if you're taking note, a sense of sarcasm. Okay? Why? Why would Paul be sarcastic? Because, again, these super apostles that Paul calls them, he considered Paul's message and methods absurd. Well, Paul, Paul, well, listen, he thinks he's, he writes all powerful, but, but really he's not powerful. And really, what does he say? And Paul says, no, just let me be a little bit more foolish. Is that okay? Is that okay? As a matter of fact, guys, these, these people have boasted about, about the Corinthian church like if they had planted it. That's what they were doing. And he's going, wow. So Paul says, okay, bear with me. Okay, you guys, I mean, just let me be a little, let me just be a little bit more foolish. And then he gives them the reason for continuing the letter. Notice in verse two, he says, guys, I am jealous for you with the godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupt from the simplicity that is in Christ. Whoa! Guys, if you're taking note, I love, I love, I love that Paul loves people. Paul loves people, guys. His heart is so touched with God that he wants to make sure people are saved. 
Why? Because he says this, for I am jealous with a godly jealousy. Okay? And that's really how we need to be. He wants to make sure that nobody comes and snatches them out of salvation. Don't, don't, you don't understand. I have betrothed you. I, I, man. He says, I want to make sure that you're saved. I don't want you to compromise or wander away. And I think that's so important. That's so important, guys. It's so interesting how people, even in this day and age, seem to be wandering away from Christ. They're wandering away. Those that were once fired up, those that were once in love with Jesus. Uh Uh I love, I love Paul's heart. Here's why, guys. And, and, And this is something we do. Paul's heart is imitating Christ's heart. Oh, I know Paul. I know Jesus came into the temple one day and he took a whip of cords and he drove everybody out because they were making his father's house a what? A den of thieves instead of a house of prayer. I get that. So my Jesus was radical, man. But his heart was for people. So much so that he said, okay, the joy set before me, he endured the cross, is what Hebrews said. The joy. What joy? The joy in the cross? I don't find any joy. No, no, no. See, the joy wasn't in the cross. The joy was you. And reconciling. He said, man, I love Jesse so much. I'm going to go to the cross. That's my joy. That's my joy. Yeah, but you know Jesse, right? He goes, no, I love him. He's mine. I betrothed him to to the Father. That's mine. And so when Jesse would start to wander away, he goes, no, 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 no. No, no, Jesse, come I got to tell you the truth. I got to tell you. I got to tell you the truth. It's with a godly je- now. Now, here's the thing, guys. The the term godly jealousy it's it's not resentment or envy. He's not going. I'm using Jesse because he's right there. Jesse, I told. I mean, where's where's Sarah? Sarah, would you just do something with him? Oh, it's not that. Okay, that's not the gel. That's not the envy. It's that intense devotion. It's the same devotion that God had for the people there in Exodus chapter 20. He's like, oh, these are my people. Guys, think about it. It was Moses who said, blot my name out of the Lamb's book of life for these people. It was Paul who said, erase me if only my countrymen would be saved. And that's the, that's the jealousy. He's going, God, guys, I love you. I love you. See, Paul labored. He planted the church the same way that Ben and Nathalie drove up 17 years ago and planted this church, right? So there we are in Rio Rancho. God says, you need to go to Rio Rancho. You need to go to Lubbock. I need to go to Lubbock. What? Lubbock? No. You know, it's Pastor Bill's fault. I just want you to know. It's Pastor Bill's fault that we're here. But we drove up here. We planted this church, right? You go, how did it happen? Well, first thing you know, Ben's a millionaire. Ken folks said, Ben, move away from there. Lubbock, Texas is the place you ought to be. So here we come. And it was hard. I understand what Paul says when you plant the church and you labor and you die with people. And you see them wander off and you can't get them. God. Side note, okay, bear with me. Every Sunday and every Wednesday, I will labor to give an invitation to Jesus. And I'll tell you why. 
Because in 17 years, I've seen so many people sit in those same chairs that you that are no longer with us. As a matter of fact, we had one just this past Monday who sat right over there where Eva is. And it was several Wednesdays ago. He sat there with a few people, and we welcomed him. And this past Monday, he took his final breath on earth. Because we don't know, do we? It was about 10 years ago that there was a couple coming to the church, still remained good friends, but something happened, and she had a massive stroke, and she passed away. Same, same chairs you're sitting in. So, if you will all be so kind and labor with me at the end of the service, I always like to give an invitation because I don't know where what's going to happen. And this is this is Paul's heart. This is Paul. He says, I'm, "I just I love you guys. Love you guys." The problem is, is that he's worried right now, guys. You can feel the tone. He's worried that the church is being deceived by the craftiness of the devil. He says, guys, listen, so your minds may be corrupted simply by the simplicity in Christ. Have we not done that? Have we not got there? Hey, how are you saved? I gave my life to Jesus. And somehow we transfer to where we got to feel like we got to work. And I've got to do this. And I'm just, you know, and, and, and he says, no, no, it's, Jesus is, is really simple. Here's how it is. Give your life to him and he'll do the rest. I promise. Submit, right? Submit. Submit. And he tells us, guys, I, I am. Why? Why? Why are you so jealous? Look at verse, look at verse four. He says, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel, hello, which you have not accepted, he says, well, you may well put up with it. You go, whoa. Now, at first read, I'm thinking Paul's going, if he comes in and preaches a different, no, as a matter of fact, he's very sarcastic. He's actually going, guys, seriously. He says, um, uh, somewhat sarcastically, he goes, well, you know, if you're going to come and you're going to fall for a prosperity gospel or you're going to fall for this kind of gospel or a different spirit, he goes, um, okay. But what I want you to know is that Paul didn't want him to submit to the false teachers, nor did regard them, these smooth talkers as apostles in any sense. He's saying, guys, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. And so I started to think about this, and I thought, we need to chat, okay? Because that happens today. And I started to ask the question, how can a local church be seduced from Christ? Right? Because they follow Satan's false teacher. The very same teachers we see here, and then the very same we're going to see in verses 13 through 15, okay? So you go, well, Ben, what's the goal at Calvary Chapel? I mean, I know we're small. Look, we're spread out pretty good. Here's the goal. You guys ready? My goal is to feed you and teach you so well that when false teaching comes your way, you go, no, 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 that's wrong. That's wrong. That's the goal. That's the goal. Um, so that when, when you see, you're, you're sitting at home and you're in your lazy boy recliner and you got Doritos all over and you don't care and you're having a good time and, and, uh, you're sitting there and then this false teaching comes on or, or, you know, it's like, hey, and you stop for a moment and you're like, hey, let me listen to this. And they're saying something that's contrary to the word of God. You go, mm, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. Uh, several years ago, several years ago, I did a series. I did a series called uh, Autocorrect. 
Okay? And autocorrect, guys, was taking the most popular verses and, and the ones that we use and, and really correct them biblically through the context of the teaching. You wouldn't believe the response we got on that. You wouldn't believe. You go, well, give me an example. Give me an example. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Everybody heard that? Anybody heard that? How do we use that? How do we take that out of a context? Easy. Oh, I'm going to go up on the building, and I think I can fly. I'm going to go up top, okay? And you go, no, you're not. You're crazy. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You go, Ben, that's taken out of context. You're going to, there's a thing called gravity. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? So we have to be careful. But you wouldn't believe how many times that people will quote a verse in their moment and it's taken out of context. I want to teach you contextually. Why? Because if you take a verse out of context, you make it a pretext. And if you make it a pretext, you can make it say anything you want it to say. That's the point of expository Bible teaching. I want to teach you so well that you go, "Mm, no, no. It's kind of a bummer because then you're just like, ooh, no. Where did... That's not what that verse says. That's not what that verse means. And so that's how we grow. Not so that we're ugly to people, because that's not Paul. Paul's not going, you guys. But it's so that we grow. And we go, no, no, no. My goal. It's so funny. Because I told you my dream, right? I told you my dream that I had, where there was these these city officials, and they were coming into the church, and they're like, you're not social distancing, and we're just like, oh, right? But then my dream continued, okay? It's funny, because I knew Nick was in my dream, and in my dream, Nick had just destroyed my stage, and I couldn't find my pulpit, and I'm like, Nick, where's my pulpit? And it was just like, oh, that's not the dream I wanted to tell you. What I wanted to tell you is, as that dream continued... I was actually, it was actually some, it was a weird, is the weirdest thing. Remember, this is just a dream. And I was sitting with somebody who was trying to tell me, okay, this is how the seminar is going to go here. This is how the conference is going to go. And he was showing me certain things in the, that he wanted done. And I'm going, no, that's not right. And one specifically, it says, well, I, I want to show you how this happens and where, where, you know, the Jesus was, was going to sin and he didn't. And, and I was like, no, 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 no. I said, uh, the Bible says that he was sinless. And the guy's like, well, no, we're, this is how we teach. And it's like, no, no, no. And they were actually mad at me in my dream because it was like, this is what the word of God is. And that's what Paul says. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Okay. Everybody put your thinking caps on. He says, just as Satan deceived Eve's mind in Genesis chapter 3, he says, so the false teachers deceive the minds of believers, and he leads them away from the truth. So here's my thought. Take a moment. Think about what's going on in our world today. Are we not needing to protect our minds? Are we not really needing to protect? I mean, we need to protect our thinking, guys. Guys, think about it. I know the enemy wants to do this. The Bible calls it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Notice with me, he says this. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith in which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. What's he talking about? Guys, the enemy is shooting darts at your thinking, at your mind. Okay? And I'm saying we have to 
We have to protect ourselves. We have to take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. I think specifically in our day and age, right now, in 2020, and I don't know what 2021 is going to look like. Um, we're going to need some. Uh, we're <laughs> we're going to need some references before we go to 2021. Okay, we're just going to. We need some. We're going to have to call on some references. Make sure it's going to be okay. But in 2020, guys, I think it's like we have to be so careful as believers because because the enemy wants to deceive us in our minds, the way we think, just like that, and deceive us from the truth. Deceive us from the truth. I wrote in my notes here, I wonder if this is happening today. I wonder if this is happening today. Well, it goes on, guys, in verse 5. It says, for Paul says, for I consider, what, Paul, that I am not inferior to the most eminent. You guys can write super there if you don't have that translation. Those The most eminent super apostles. Even though he says, look, I am untrained in speech, yet I am, what, not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Don't you just love Paul? Because Paul's not going, well, I'll tell you a thing or two. He goes, listen, I understand. I'm not the most eloquent speaker. I'm not the one who comes up there and, and just, he says, he says, but I don't consider myself inferior to these quote-unquote super apostles who teach such things. I, I might be unskilled. But I'm not lacking in knowledge. And he says, and, and I believe we've made this clear to you in, in, in every way. In every way. Now, imagine. The very person who founded the church was being criticized by those who thought they were better than him. The very person. Paul's speaking abilities did, did not meet the standards of some of those in Corinth. And many people in the region were trained in what they call professional rhetoric, which is highly valued in the Greek culture. So they looked at him and they crossed their arms and they said, hmm. But here's what Paul teaches, guys, and I think it's a great lesson for us. Here's what he teaches. You ready? That although we may not look the part, and we may not be as eloquent as others, he says, I'm definitely knowledgeable. What does that mean? You ready? He knows the word of God. Now go, Ben, give me some application. Give me something to take home. You ready? Here's what, here's our takeaway. Both knowledge and heart are essential for the Christian. Both knowledge and heart. You go, what do you mean? Well, Paul was both knowledgeable, yet he loved people, and these go hand in hand. Those go hand in hand. Okay? Now, I want you to put on your thinking caps, okay? Maybe, there are, there are many people, guys, who are truly knowledgeable, about the word, but they lack heart for people. What do you mean? They would rather win the argument than win the person. They're knowledgeable. Can we agree that there's probably people out there who don't have a great heart for people but are, but know the Bible better than we do? They can quote scriptures, they can do that, you're just like impressed. But the problem is, guys, and I've seen so many, is that is that these people can use the word of God and they actually use it as a weapon to cut and destroy than to heal. And I get so angry when somebody uses God's word as a weapon 
Well, here's what God says. You need to do this. And they, and they just destroy. That's not God's word. God's word is a love letter that just heals and helps. But on the flip side, there are many people who have a great heart, but they lack the knowledge of the word. They've got a great heart, right? They want to, oh, man, and, but they don't know the word of God. And so the problem with not knowing God's word and standing that on a foundation, guys, is that we can be easily deceived like Satan did with Eve. So it goes hand in hand. We need to know the word of God. You need to study the word of God. And then you need to have a heart for people. Think about this. If you were going to play Bible trivia at Jesse's house, you'd want Paul on your side, wouldn't you? It's like, Paul's going to take over every question. <laughs> Paul's going to take, right? I mean, because when it comes to knowing Scripture, Paul, Paul was, man, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He memorized the whole Bible. Think about that. We're just, we're, we're like junior varsity, right? We're, we're just like, oh, I'm not even going to put on the uniform. <laughs> I got Paul, right? But the Lord says, no, no, no. I want you to know the Word of God. And there are some great books to read, but read the Word of God. Stand on the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Let the Word of God read you. Let the Word of God read you. Okay? Um, men, I think every man was here, except for Saul. Saul wasn't here yesterday. But we had the men's, we had the men's, uh, men's fellowship. It was so good. It was so good. Listen, this is not even my notes, but I need to show you. I need to show you. We studied Proverbs chapter 2. You don't have to turn there, but let me, let me just show you. Proverbs chapter 2, and it says this. Paul is wanting us, guys, as men, to, to gain wisdom. And here's what he says. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding, if you will seek her as silver and search for her for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord, and find knowledge. But here's what I want to point out, guys. In verse 1, it says, my son, if you receive my words. And I started thinking about what that meant. And that meant not only is receiving his words as me reading it, but letting the text read me so that I can gain wisdom. As the, it, I can know the word. Of, listen, we can read this, guys. Amen? We can read this. But when it reads us is when we start to grow. Lord, where am I? Where am I here? Where am I? Well, guess what? I mean, it's all good, but the super apostles, guess what they're saying? They're not buying it, right? They're not buying it. As a matter of fact, they say, Paul can't be a true apostle. Otherwise, he would actually accept money for his services. That's what they're saying. Listen how Paul responds, verse 7. He says, did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel to you free of charge? Question mark. He says, I robbed other churches taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you in need, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. In everything, I kept myself from being a burdensome to you. And so I will keep 
myself, period. That is so good. Why? Because he assures the church, guys. He loves them so much. He says, listen, I love you. He says, that's why I, re- I refused your support. That's why. As a matter of fact, I allowed the churches in Macedonia, Philippi, Galatia. He says, he says I, I let them support me. He says, but I didn't want to take any support from you, even though, listen to me, my apostolic calling permitted me to. You understand, this is how God made it, because I didn't want to do that. You go, why? Because he says it right here. He wanted to cut off any opportunities his enemies would have for accusing him. Well, Paul, the only reason you wanted to be apostle is so you could make money. The only reason, well, it's almost like we say that, right? Well, I don't give my money at that church because the pastor's going to drive around in a big car and a fancy house, and or a fa- he's going to drive around in a fancy house and live in a big car. I don't know, whatever it might be, but that's what, that's what a lot of ministers are accused of. And the thing about it, guys, is if pastors were to follow biblical principles and be out of debt, and I mean, that, that's the key. They should, they should make a good living. Paul senses something here in Corinth. He's like, no, I'm not going to take any money from you because I know what those super apostles are saying. He goes, as a matter of fact, check it out. He says, as the truth of Christ is in me, he says, no one's going to stop me from boasting in the regions of Achaia. Right? Verse 11. Why? Because I do not love you. God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in these things of which they boast. You go, what did Paul say? Here's what he writes, guys. Listen. He says, surely the truth of Christ is in me. No one in all of Greece can ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? He says, is it because I don't love you? God knows that I do. He says, but I'm going to continue doing what I've always done. This will undercut, he says, those who are looking for an opportunity to boast about their works just like ours. What is Paul saying? Okay, here's what I want you to know. The Apostle Paul has the characteristics of what I think we need to have as believers. You go, what's that? Number one, he's knowledgeable in the Word of God. Okay, we need to know the Word of God. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, number two... He's also humble. He's also humble. You know that the Apostle Paul walked in humility. Okay, Paul's not interested in winning the argument. He's interested in winning the person. He walks in humility. Paul's like, listen, you can tell me how silly I walk and how crooked and what a crooked nose and how bald I am. That's cool. I don't care about that. But what I care about is the gospel, and I really want you to see. And I know that, I know that some of you are messed up, but that's okay. I know that God can do a work. I got that. But the third characteristic, as we see, is that Paul's also very wise in wisdom. You go, how so? Note what he teaches us. He says, by not accepting support, Paul cuts off what his opponent's opportunity to attack him. And I think that's important for us. We need to walk in wisdom. We need to walk in wisdom. Ben, question. Why... Why would they attack him? That's a good question. Why would they attack him? Right? Here's why. Because these super apostles in Corinth, guys, they were asking for great amounts of support. 
I know it's like watching TV today, right? Hey, praise God, if you just, if you'll just support me, if you'll just do this and, you know, and you've heard it a thousand times. You've heard it a thousand times. Listen, if you don't give money, we're going to go under. No, no, you didn't hear me. We're, we're going to, this ministry is going to die if you all don't give money. So we're going to pass the plate again and you need to give money. And, and again, it's that, it's that over and over and over. And so he says, and then these super apostles were going, listen, I'm coming into your city, but you can't afford me. So you better, you better have some bake sales. You better do some stuff. You understand what they're trying. And Paul goes, no, no, no. See, that's what they're doing. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Well, why wouldn't Paul do that? Well, look at, look, as he explains in these final verses. He says this, for such, help me guys, are false apostles and deceitful workers. What are they doing? Transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. You guys ready? Right here, Paul, he, what does he do? He doesn't spare any punches right here. He's call, he calls them out. He's going, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I don't accept support. Because number one, they're asking for a lot of support, but as a matter of fact, they're, he says, they're false apostles and deceitful workers. For the first time, guys, Paul openly accuses these teachers of being servants of the devil. And Satan's most effective weapon is imitation. Listen, listen what he says. Matthew chapter 13. You guys can read it along if it's on the screen. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. He says, here's another parable put forth to them saying, Jesus is speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed, good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came in and what they do? They sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then tares also appeared. For the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you not want us to go then and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while we gather up tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them and gather the wheat into my barn. That is powerful. Why? Because what Jesus is saying is in the church, there's going to be true Christians and there's going to be false Christians. Well, didn't you so... Well, should we not, should we not kick out the false Christians? Should we not kick them out? No, no, no. Here's why. Because I believe that as long as we're preaching the word of God, those who are false might have an opportunity to be saved. But at the end of the day, God's going to say, okay, these are mine, these are not. Doesn't that really scare us? I mean, it's like, Lord, I don't want to be, I'm not, I don't want to be a terror. I want to be, I want to be saved for reals. And Lord, it's not about what these guys think. It's not about what that pastor thinks. Lord, where am I with you? Am I right? Why? Because wheat goes to church. Wheat supports the ministry. Wheat serves. What else does wheat do? Wheat, 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 
fellowships. But so do tears. I am so surprised. I heard a story the other day of a 75-year-old man who'd been in a church for 35 years, serving, been in that church, and the pastor one day gave an altar call, and the 75-year-old man raised his hand and said, I need to come forth. And the pastor was like, no, dude, you, you've been in my church for 35 years. You're saved. He goes, no. I've been in your church, but I never had a relationship with God. And I, I just felt today I need. Paul says, no, listen, I'm going to call him out. I'm going to call him out. So as we close, as we close our study, guys, you've seen what Paul, he's defending his apostolic authority. He wants the gospel to go out. But he also says, man, I've betrothed them. Okay, I've betrothed them, right? Paul's warning this church about false apostles and deceitful workers. He's warning them, guys, please, please. I need the true, the true gospel of Jesus Christ saves. Now, let me give you, let me give you what Paul would say if he was here. The true gospel changes us from the inside out. You can honestly say, I once was but now I'm, that's the true gospel, okay? A false gospel goes, well, I'm going to work my way, and I hope God likes me, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to give money, and I'm going to, and I'm, and I'm crossing my fingers and my toes that my religion is going to get me to heaven. But the gospel of Jesus Christ says, something's changed. Something's changed. Next week, Next week, you guys can come back up. Next week, Paul's going to share in his sufferings. In his sufferings. He's going to say, listen, this is, if you want to be a true apostle, let me ask you this. Did you get whipped 39 times? Five separate, okay. And he's just going to go through the list and we're going to go, wow. Wow. What are our takeaways today? Number one, as a true believer, here's, here's, some good, here's some good behavior. You ready? Here's some takeaway. Jot these down. Number one, number one, be knowledgeable about the Word of God. Guys, the Bible says study to show yourself approved. Be in the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. Be in the Word of God. Not only read the Word of God, but let the Word of God read you. Okay? Number two, be humble. Be humble. God doesn't call us to be super proud, wonderful. He says, walk in humility. Walk in, how, do you, how do we walk in humility? How do you walk in humility? Okay? We walk in humility by remembering where we were, where we came from. And that when you see people who are there, you go, you don't go, well, if they would only, you go, oh, I remember I was there. There's, there's hope. There's hope for you, man. There's hope for you. Remember where we were, guys. Walk in that humility. The Bible says to you and me that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were a mess. And last but not least, guys, walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. James tells us, guys, in chapter 1, verse 6, he says, ask 
If you'll ask for wisdom without doubting, God will give it to you. We must ask for wisdom filled with God's Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you have so much truth in it. We thank you that we can apply it, guys. And I pray every one of us would walk out of here, guys, with, with, um, Lord, with, with the knowledge of your word. Lord, I pray that everybody would walk out in humility, God, that we would walk in humbleness, that we would be kind to each other. Lord, help us to have hearts like, like, like you have, Jesus. Hearts for people. And Lord, let us be wise. In every decision we make, let, us, let there be wisdom. And Father, I pray your spirit would just move forth. Because God, today, maybe there's somebody here that's going, Pastor Ben, I'm not sure if I'm saved. You were saying some things, and some lights were coming on, but I realized I don't have a relationship with God, not like you're talking about. As a matter of fact, I've been kind of dealing with my past and the guilt of my past and all this stuff. And <sighs> Listen, if you're here today, and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Or maybe you did, but you've walked away. And, and God's heart is to bring you back into the path. Listen, he brought you to church today because he loves you very much. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, I just want to give you an opportunity. Listen to me. Right now, I just want to share with you that God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. And he has his arms open wide, ready to forgive you if you'll come forth, if you'll, if you'll just surrender today. Well, what do I have to do, Pastor? First of all, search your heart. Lord, am I right with you? Am I right? Have I put my faith and trust in you completely? Oh, Pastor, I'm not sure. Well, then today's your day. Because now I'm going to ask you, and those watching online, I'm going to ask you just to simply lift up your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus today once and for all. I want to be saved. See, God's already talking to you. God's already talking to you. You don't need to listen to me anymore. You just need to listen to God. Because you know without God, you're not saved. And with the world going crazy, we want you saved. I know we have many people that watch online, and then they'll rebroadcast it later. So if you're watching online and, and you're going, man, I was just slipping through here, and, and then today's your day. So here's my question. Is there anyone here this morning that you would say, Pastor Ben, you were talking to me. You were talking to me. I want to be right with God completely. I want my life to him. Would you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? Would you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus completely, 100% in my life right now. Again, we want to give everybody an opportunity. Just lift up your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? All you got to do is lift it. God will see your heart. He knows where you're at. Father, I thank you for a sister who raised her hand. I pray, God, that you would speak to her. And just like you already have, Lord, we trust you. And I thank you. If you raised your hand or maybe you're watching online and you're going, man, what do I do? Would you just, would you just believe? You might want to pray something like this. It doesn't have to be exact, but you might say, Lord, I am a sinner. I agree. 
I agree with you, Lord. I can't make it on my own. And I've messed up my life thus far, but today I surrender to you. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you resurrected on the third day and now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I put my faith and trust in I repent of my sins, God, and I'm going to follow you. I open up my heart. I invite you inside. And I'm asking you, Jesus, today, be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we want to welcome you to the family of God. Amen, 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 amen. Let's worship, guys. Let's worship. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.